Jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Menoggin's gone. Menoggin's gone. Menoggin's gone. Menoggin's gone. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slaps, slaps, slaps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Honestly. Uh, uh, welcome back to the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, beautiful uh, the, blue. Uh, the, uh, beautiful blue, uh, podcast, uh, uh, a light-hearted look at, Arsenal uh, uh, with Alexander Dufeffel Boris Johnson and my very good friend, uh, 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 Bradley Adams. Hello, Boris. Hello, Boris. It's Nicky Minaj. Brad's just woken up. Yeah, pre-crease. And you're in your mum's house? Where are you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm in my mum's house, pre-crease. <laughs> what are you doing there? Oh, it's my first weekend off in like six months, so I've gone home. That's an absolute lie. Probably like a couple of months, but uh, I've gone home. Where I've got like... Don't lie. Where I've Don't got lie like on the podcast. The whole weekend off. I've got like pretty much Friday, Saturday and Sunday off, so I've gone home for the weekend to see the family. How are the family? They're fine. Yeah? Yeah. Nothing to report. It's very boring. No, there's there's always something. There's got to be an anecdote. There's got to be a gag. There's got to be a... An anecdote. Oh, God. There's got to be a jape we can start the podcast with. Brad, come on. A, a little a little, a little jape. Um, I've got one. Brad oh, just you, asked yeah, me, me whether I was ill with that cold four weeks ago. You know, and so listeners, oh, do, you ever, Alex, do you ever have this? You need to, you know when, let it you go. Know, Life you know is too like, short. <laughs> you know when Live, people... Uh, the, this podcast relax. is now long... This is a podcast now, long baby. We've got to fill it. Um, you know when people are like, "Oh, you're ill." Is it that cold that's going round? It's like, what? What do you mean? There's probably a hundred colds going round in your local town. Vet variations. Does that annoy anyone else? Probably not. Do you me. feel superior to to pick very minute and niche things to get annoyed at, Alex? Is that what yeah, strokes, probably. strokes the ego? It probably is, isn't it? Should I look? Yeah. Should I look within and have some meditative thought it. on that? <laughs> oh, God. No anecdotes on the family. Um, nah, there's okay. nothing. Welcome back to the Different Knock Podcast. How are you? Hope you're doing well. International break is over. It's over, baby. We are back. I mean, the football I would say thank back. God. But- yeah, well, yeah, it was um, tough watching. <laughs> also, uh, yeah. Also, uh, just uh, while we're on some housekeeping, I have a new laptop. Hey, no one cares except me. However, however, uh, you will now no longer hear in the background of my audio this. Um. Hopefully, <laughs> this is the first time we're we recording this, this laptop. Um, and also means uh, various capabilities. More computing power means more more power. More power means more, uh, more responsibility. More responsibility. Great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> and there's a Star Wars quote that I'm not awake enough to make. Um, yeah, let's jump into it. Brad, let's do it. Arsenal 4, Liverpool 0, uh, 3 goals from Thomas uh, Partey. Um Oh no! Sorry, Arsenal nil, Liverpool four. <laughs> How I wish. Go on, let's give us your word of the game. Um, lesson, mate. Mine's assessment. Oh, look at us; we're in sync. Uh, I I just think that this is a this was a lesson to be learned. It's obvious that we're nowhere near the the capabilities of Liverpool, but for forty minutes we we did well. We matched them up well. Um, there were points where we looked a little dangerous on the breakaway, but again, just made some slightly wrong decisions that got us a bit caught up. And then uh, the first goal was scored 
after the touchline fracas. And uh, is it fracas or fracas? Fracas. Surely it's fracas. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? I'll tell you what I can do now, um, though. What can you do now? You can Google it. Oh, because your laptop won't have a hissy fit. Fracar. It's fracar. Fracar. Google says. Okay. The man at Google says. Um, And we just lost our heads. We we just we just lost our heads in the in the second in the second half really and gave away some really stupid goals. I think four 0 is a fair result, especially when you consider some of the saves that Ramsdale had to make. Mm. Um, I thought he was unbelievable. He, like I, I don't think there's a lot of times you can have a keeper concede four and still be shout like yeah. shouting for them to be like Arsenal's man of the match. And I think it's also a lesson to be learned uh, for the older players because. In mo in games like this, in moments like this, you need Thomas Partey, Lacazette, Aubameyang to carry us through, and they were anonymous, especially yeah. Aubameyang. I, I did I forgot he was even playing at one point because he was just completely invisible. And again, it, it does just highlight the work that still needs to be done, the surgery that needs to be done on the squad. But I now, after you know a very good summer, it seems, have a lot of confidence that hopefully will rectify that. Yeah, and, and I also think I, I'm way more confident that we'll learn the lessons from this game. Lesson. Also, yeah. well, I'm trying to think, when was the last time we got smacked 4-0 or we had a shitty defeat? I don't feel bad, like, after defeats, like, okay, after the City defeat, there is literal evidence of me losing my noggin on this podcast. <laughs> and for good reason. We played, like, absolute fucking dross from minute one. That's the spin-off podcast hosted by you, losing my noggin. <laughs> losing my noggin. Uh, I didn't. I don't feel like this today. Yeah. I don't feel annoyed. I don't feel, and, and I think that's a real. That's a real thing to note and mention. I saw a few people on Twitter note it as well last night that this is the first time in a long time that we've lost like this, and it doesn't feel as bad. Like it yeah. feels shit. It, it feels like a disappointment, but it doesn't feel telling of like the entire project. No, and, and and I think that's down to how, like, where does that come from? And that comes from, uh, I guess, the idea that we all feel this isn't going to be, like, if this was Willian, I think, you know, there's a lot of kind of stuff going around about, oh, you know. Willian, Leno. If this was Willian, Leno, Socrates. Pablo Mari and Socrates, like, we're all, we're all head in hands. But these are young players, you know, these are young players and they're going to have to go through that. Yeah, my, my, my word is assessment because I think... In the kind of managerial merry-go-round, there is always the, the the sort of the Sky Sports and Talk Sports saying, "We well, need someone with Premier League experience. You need someone with Premier League experience." And I think, what actually is that? Like, how do we define that? And what even is experience, sort of more generally? And I guess what it is is games like this. I guess what it is 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 kind of learning lessons together. Mm. Something Arteta said in his post match post match press conference, which I think is interesting, um, is he said something like, "This group has been together for six years." And I thought, fucking hell, wow. And as we came out uh, for the, I think for the second half, I counted how many new players there were and how many players that Arteta, you know, the ones that we brought in in the summer who are, who are still really bedding into the team. Tommy Asu, Tavares, Aaron Ramsdale, Ben White, Sambi Lekonga, um, you know, the likes of Smith Rowe and Saka, you know, we, we forget they haven't really been around in professional football for that no. long. These, This is a... Um, I don't think we, you know, yes, we're a young team, but it's also the experience level of being in this league and being together as well. It's not just that, you know, the, the age profiles. I, you know, I, I actually think, if anything, that matters less. You know, you can you can have it. You can have a a a an extremely talented and balanced and secure team who are all nineteen years old. What matters is the ability to manage games. What matters is the mentality. What matters is the um, mm. is the kind of the 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 um the security of the team in specifically games like this because i don't know if when, i agree because i think if, if okay, you're well, talking well, about if you're I'll, make talking my, about no, I'll make my case old. okay i'll make, make my case. case because i think i think a, a ground like anfield thing uh, whatever premier league experience is matters to me because it's like how do you get through that atmosphere how do you manage a situation and the, and this is a game for example like where i wish we'd had Jacker and Tierney. How do you get through just simply because they'd done it before? The situation with Arteta and Klopp on 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 the sideline, 
I felt was a kind of catalyst, sort of, uh, you know, there's a sort of Liverpool red to wake the beast type analogy you could do. I felt the energy change. Well, especially, well, yeah, because the, the, the famous atmosphere was uh, was non-existent up until that point. You know, if you were listening to it loud enough on your TV, you could hear Arsenal fans singing over Liverpool fans. What seemed to happen is they is they sung, you'll never walk alone and then kind of shut up for 40 minutes until clock kicked off. Yeah, you could hear the Zachary Smith throw chant. The yeah, but but then but then they woke up and you know there's a stat I think that's going around somewhere which is like Liverpool haven't lost at home with fans to a top six side since 2016 or something. This is a fucking tough place to go, and if oh, you want to get a result, if you want to get a result there, you've got to dig in and you've got to understand your your place you've got to understand the job you've got to do and you've got to manage a game and that's Mm -hmm. what i guess i guess it comes down to you know managing games managing experiences managing expectations keeping yourself calm all those sorts of things putting your foot on the ball you know when the game's getting away with you 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 know you being really technically secure understanding that the game's got to slow down understanding what this what this pass needs what you're telling your teammates around you and all those things are experience and if we look at our squad we don't we don't have many people who've been through that situation um especially not influential players on our team so i to me you know i think that feeling that we discussed of sort of not being too upset is kind of it's kind of understandable because if this is if this is David Louise and you know the clowns that we've had before and Mustafi, think, oh, it's mate, it's literally what we've always said. It's literally what we've always said. We would accept moments like this and results like this yeah, if we yeah. were play. And it, the conversation was around Saliba at the time and around oh god, who else? Um, back uh, um, during that horrid run in in December when he hadn't been registered for the Europa and wasn't playing, we were saying, if we were giving this boy a chance and not playing mm. David Luiz and seeing the same mistakes, it wouldn't feel as bad and we wouldn't care as much because there would at least be some hope and some faith that there might be some growth from this. Whereas when you are playing, and, and you know, the conversations came up about, you know, if Arteta wants it to be seen as a youth and young and long-term project, he shouldn't be playing win-now players. I think we've seen that shift. We're no longer going after the win-now players. We will have to start two in the summer, I think, with one or two positions. Um, But I do at least have faith that there will be a lot of growth done by these players and, and they'll learn from this game. And that's that's really, really important. I don't think Premier League experience matters. I think there's going to be hostile crowds in in every league in the in in the world. You know, you think of some of the stuff that the ultras do in Italy. I think that could be much worse for certain opponents, um, especially depending on your race. After some of the things that have come out and happened there with Lukaku and other players, uh, but I I think it, in, instead of kind of Premier League experience we did lack pretty much experience just across the board you're talking about three players in the whole team being over the age of 20 25 yeah something like that I, I I do think I do think like specifically Anfield is a very it's a very specific test and, and I think it has been said in the, in the in the pre and post match like it's top European clubs come here and capitulate. I mean, you know, corner taken quickly oh. evening, need I say more? Um, oh, God, yeah. I'm, I'm not denying the, the Anfield atmosphere. I'm just saying, I think it's more the experience level. I think with the 19-year-olds thing, if you had a, a team full of 27-year-olds who had all played at a, at a high level in different grounds and played Europa League or Champions League football, I think they might be more used to certain types of atmosphere because they'll have had to experience it more yeah and and, and i guess that's what i mean i also lo- i also love that you've managed to make this about william saliba incredible it's, it's almost a skill at this point oh it is it is but that's <laughs> just because he's the only player that popped to my mind about that conversation yeah last yeah right. it's because it's because you've got, got, no, no, got, you got, got, got a post you got a poster of him and behind behind you um uh, Aaron Ramsdale, this game isn't going to define our season. It's possibly the toughest place to come to in this league. This is where we want to get to. It's a marathon, not a sprint, and this team will go again. We'll learn from tonight. We won't hide. And I think, I guess that's really 
the summation of this game. It's a it's a learning yeah. curve, and it's a it's something to 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 look at and learn from. So let's do it, Brad. Let's learn from it. Um, so I think the first few moments of a game for me, when coming to analyze it, are always a good opportunity to see what we were trying to do before game state gets involved, before goals go in, before, you know, the, what, what has been set out as the tactical plan from the very beginning, which, you know, may change, but what has just been said in the, in, in the changing room. And I liked it. I really liked it. We were narrow and compact. We had a sort of almost like a front three with Saka pressing the ball. Um, we tried to keep them high at the pitch. Uh, Arteta, a, a, a sort of a running constant theme through his whole management, but specifically during this game. Hello. Where you going? I was in the middle of some great analysis there. Yeah. Love you. Love you, Nadi. Back off. Um, <clears throat> uh, running through team through his whole uh, management is constantly asking the boys to <laughs> the boys, the players to press higher up the pitch to to not get trapped in. Something that Liverpool do so well is they suffocate you. They they just, they win the ball back so high up the pitch. I think there was a stat in the second half where they won it like eight times compared to zero in our final third in in the final third um they they keep you high up the pitch and you stay there and if you you imagine it on your if you're watching it on screen you just see the halfway line the whole of one team and basically van dyke and matip or whoever it is and you know just sort of standing in their half receiving the ball and playing it off to whoever's in the midfield or, or trent or whoever it is and i think we were trying to not get caught and i think it it was working you know for not for I wouldn't say for 40 minutes, there was moments, but we were blocking the passing lanes nicely. We we're pressing the loose ball. We weren't trying to lose ground. Uh, any back or side passes were, were triggering a move forward. Um, and I thought we we set up nicely. Like it, 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 it's nice to feel like we were competing on a, on a tactical and technical level at Anfield because we, we don't always do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the setup was good. I, I, I have no real complaints about it. Um, and I, I, I don't, I think maybe, yeah, like you say, 40 minutes is a bit of a stretch. I think we did lose our head after the first goal went in, but one thing to note as well, we, I don't seem stressed anymore when we're playing out from the back because we actually have players that can do it. Yeah. You know, there's a few moments where, um, White picks up the ball and if that's David Luiz, I, I'm cacking myself, but your noggin's gone. My noggin's gone. <laughs> Can that episode be your new phrase, out. please? Ep- episode one out soon. Um, oh God, what was <laughs> You're I actually going to do that now, aren't you? <laughs> what, what was I saying? You're not cacking yourself when David Luiz is playing out from the back. That was it. That was it. Um, so yeah, do listen. And that's a, that's, a, that's a really good kind of barometer of, of the feeling around the club and the feeling of where we're moving. And the fact that it's gone from a from a situation where this time last year I was probably complaining about the setup more than anything because we were getting it wrong so so often it's nice to not have that as a worry and I'm now focusing on other things you know it feels like we've bedded in a, a really good team that's that's found its um that's found its kind of structure within within the squad um like i think this is our nailed on first 11 other than maybe kt in at left back and and do you know what on that kind of nuno tavares moment tavares um it is a bit of a blessing in disguise because we were always going to lose at anfield okay it's shit that we lost 4-0 and it's absolutely mudded our goal difference um but that gives Arteta away to slot Tierney back in with no complaints. There'll be no spotlight shone on it. Like it, it just makes it kind of a natural transition back to having him in a left back, which I think is a good move for us. Um, yeah, yeah. There was some. There was some really interesting individual battles, like Mane versus Ben White and Tommy Asu, Tavares on that left versus Salah. Yeah, and then but the key one was the midfield. I felt you know Liverpool have one of the best midfield threes. Um, maybe not talent-wise, but definitely set-up-wise in the in the country, and that was where it was going to be kind of won and lost, 
And I think yeah. that that's absolutely where we lost it. You know, path, Lacon, they started targeting Lakonga at one point because they knew how kind of, they knew he was our, our weakness after, you know, he lost this head a bit. And when you've got a midfield three like Fabinho, Thiago, and, and even the Ox had a decent game, Great game. it becomes re- really, really difficult to to kind of play against that. And so I, I do have sympathy for them. But yeah, they, it, they, that's, got, that's where we lost it. They've got the balance so right there. They've, they've got a, a controller, uh, you know, a dictator in Thiago. They've got a destroyer and a, and a, f- a phenomenal defensive midfielder in Fabinho. And they've got a runner in Ox. And defensively, he, his contributions improved. Like, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a mm. great balance. And I think you're right. That is where the game basically started to turn. Um, I think they isolated party really well. They basically just didn't give him any time on the ball. He, he didn't really receive it. Um, and yeah, targeted Sambi and, and, and just, just stopped that kind of vow to progress the ball with Partey. Um, just to come back on a couple of your points, yeah, I think those duels down the side, and again, this is what was encouraging, was it was competitive. It was Tommy Asu v um, Mane. That was always going to be interesting. Tavares v Salah. Um, there was never any kind of one-on-one work, but I did feel like Tavares was 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 nicely positioned at times in that first half, and it felt it felt competitive. Um, on the goal difference, I do I do wonder what's the record for being fifth in match week 12 like what's the lowest goal difference that's ever been had <laughs> I'd love to know I think we're on what we like minus four now and yeah. we're fifth in match week 12 that's got to be it's got to be some kind of record definitely um, which is definitely kind of um, uh, room for improvement um, yeah it, it was always going to be interesting uh, hey here's a question why does were you watching the sky thing or were you watching your no, I wasn't watching Sky, but I was watching English commentary. With, okay. I think it was, I think it was Be In, but they had like okay. fucking Jamie O'Hara on at one point, who has oh, about dear. the amount of football Mute. knowledge as a kidney bean. <laughs> <laughs> like genuinely, some of the shit that man comes out with just makes me want to slam my head in a fucking <laughs> fridge. Did you enjoy that one? <laughs> I really like that one. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. That was very funny. Oh god. <laughs> it's all the all the fucking talk sport lot. They just chat fucking nonsense, mate. Absolute drossy nonsense. It's pure wham. Um Anyway, I'm, if pretty watching- sure, I'm pretty. I have a th- I'm pretty sure that if you cut out the names, you cut out any any like um, if you just stuck that analysis over any other sport and took out the specific, um, the specific like pointed things about football, as in like don't mention football in the sense of like don't mention it like the word football or like specific teams or players. You could stick it over any sport because it's just generic fucking hogwash. Yeah, it's just like. Yeah, it's 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 all the set the same action as yeah, get three points. Uh, you know, uh, the team will be looking to win. Um, uh, the you know it, they've had they've had a tough start, but they're going to be looking to pick up points now. It's like great. What what is what the purpose this of this? What does this mean? Um, here's one. Why does Jamie Carragher sound like he's commentating from the motorway? So the other guy goes, and you might not have, you probably wouldn't have heard this, but he, the other guy's like, oh, uh, Fabinho on the ball, and he plays it to Thiago, and Jamie Carragher's like this. Yeah, it's so great for Liverpool. They're doing so great. Sadio Mane on this left-hand side. It's a great... It's like, what? It's, it's a very odd dynamic. I find it quite jarring, but also you haven't seen it, so it's quite a difficult thing to describe to you. Uh. We need some better commentators in this sport, man. Like, where are, where's the fucking Clive Tilsleys of the world? Oh, mate. Have you seen Clive Tilsley's TikTok? No. He commentates on things that happen in his kitchen. Oh, Clive. So, he's like, Clive. so he does like, uh, if he's getting his wall redone or something, he's like, and he goes to knock it down. That's fantastic technique. This <laughs> is fucking hilarious. <laughs> that is a really fucking good impression. Thanks, Brad. Uh, football impressions available at Alex Moneypenny's uh, Fiverr account. Thank you. Um, so, what else was going on? Yeah, I thought Lacazette and Aubameyang were dropping nicely. 
And yeah, we started to to lose a bit of control. Uh, but it did lead to some lovely Ramsdale saves. Oh my god, he is very good at football. At goalkeeping, very good at, specifically, very, very good, mate. He's unbelievable. I, yeah. I, I think everyone is having to eat some humble pie, but also no one expected this. I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't even. Even if you were the most avid person wanting Ramsdale, no one could have expected this. <laughs> he's, oh, yeah. he's currently the best goalkeeper in the league. Statistically, he's, he's currently the best enough, goalkeeper in the league. I don't watch enough of like uh, Addison and Ellison or whatever they're called to say... I, I'll oh, say yes because I love. I him. think here's the thing. Here's the thing with Allison and Edison is it's currently a completely a different game for them because their teams are on the front foot. For Edison and Allison save one or two shots a game on a busy day for them because they're absolutely just motoring through the game. Yeah, and their main attribute is to be that outlet passing wise, and to have that ability to be that kind of almost extra centre-back sweeping up play and, 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 and moving the ball up the field and out. Whereas what we need from Ramsdale is both things. We need him to be the the shot stopper and the, the kind of the traditional goalkeeper in a sense, whilst also giving us that in games and moments where we have the ball, because we're not in a situation where we're able to dominate the ball like Man City and like Liverpool. And I th- he's he's doing both of those duties phenomenally and statistically he is the best goalkeeper in the premier league he's got the most um saved go- uh, goals by like what is it like expected goals against for a yeah, keeper yeah there's there's quite a, there's quite a the few most strange goalkeeper metrics aren't there they're like expected yeah. goals post the net past the post sort of yeah <laughs> some strange stats. yeah but he he's currently top of that list um he's got the best Probably not now because of this drubbing, uh, but he did have the best save percentage in the league. I think bar maybe Edward Mendy, but I think he had overtaken him in the last game. And, you know, it's phenomenal to see that. Do you know what? One thing I love is being absolutely wrong. Like, I love it. I love being proved completely wrong by somebody as in having an opinion of someone and them absolutely bossing it. And I'm like, oh, like, it just makes, it makes me happy for some reason. So I'm like, this, th- this is, and I think because I'm so used to being slightly negative about Arsenal for like the last however long, we've been a bit shit. <laughs> Having this absolute turnaround is just amazing. Like, I, yeah. I can't tell you how much I love the boy and, and I don't think anyone ever expected how good he was going to be. I, I just I've run out of superlatives for him, mate. I think yeah. as soon as Abamyang leaves, KT and him for the armband is is a genuine shout. <laughs> yeah, he's certainly a, a leader in a kind of sort of eye catching sense. I think, um, or maybe ball catching sense. Uh, there was one, yeah, there was one save from, he did, it was sort of three in a fairly quick succession. So there was one where he, um, he saved it from, uh, he saved, uh, sort of, I think it was a left foot shot from Trent. That was like the third of three. There was one from Mane where he like hit him and he sort of clawed it out. But there was one from Salah where he, he saves it and the save's like decent. It's a good save. He should save it, but it's a decent save. And then he claws it out. He like claws it from behind him and then it like parries it into his left hand. And it's the kind of the, what's the word? The, the like thinking on the spot or kind of thinking on your feet to like pull it out of Salah's path and not just to pull it out to the side where there's probably a Liverpool player waiting to push it out centrally. Like he, his goalkeeping intelligence as well, I think is something that's really underrated. Yeah, like he's a smart absolutely. keeper. I think a lot of the, I think probably a lot of the, the, the coverage of him will be very much like, passion and you know like him like you know joining with the fans and you know him smiling after like you know like a really good save which is very as i say eye-catching i won't make the joke again very eye-catching and very um very charming very very charismatic yeah yeah. but actually he is a very smart keeper as well and he he i think he understands the game something he um coming back on your point about people proving uh people proving people uh you made a point about people put the right 
yeah. uh, proving people wrong. He says like that's something he loves to do. Like he, you know, he says, um, I think in, in his interview when he joins Arsenal, he's like, this is you know something I absolutely love doing, is proving people wrong. And like he's doing it. He's absolutely doing it. Like, and fair fucks to him. Like it's it's yeah, absolutely. It, you, mate. you kind of run out of things to say because it's just such an incredible bit of business and and he's an incredible player and I think you're right in terms of leadership if that's the type of leader you're after I think he's I think he's 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 top mate he's top I think you need every type of leader I think this is what Liverpool have as well I think you need every type of leader in a dressing room and I think that look at Liverpool Henderson is the captain the main the big dog. Barky leader. Bar- like, barky leader. Do you know what I mean? Shouts at people. We're synced gets up people today, do. This is great. Pardon? We're synced up today. Yeah, it's so good, right? I said big dog and you went barking. Unbelievable. Oh, look at that. Subscribe um, to the different Nog podcasts. Do it, do it. Occasionally <laughs> you'll get content like this. <laughs> One um, day. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that maybe Ramsdale and Katie are that, or are that figure for us you know and i think that is the kind of figure you need to wear the armband like match day i think sometimes we over egg the idea of captain in the sense that like the person that wears the armband as the only person whose responsibility it is to marshal and captain the side when you watch that liverpool team you have van dyke marshalling the side so much of the time you have other players doing that responsibility. I think sometimes we we do put a bit too much emphasis on who specifically is wearing the armband and they have to be every version of what a captain should be. Phenomenal yeah. player. like, And I, it's probably because, you know, our, the greatest player the Premier League's ever seen was Arsenal captain. And so we, yeah. we it's synonymous that we think that they have to be the best player in the team and they have to be a leader as well. And I think that both, and especially Ramsdale, I think he's definitely got the minerals to to be that captain on the pitch and to be the person shouting and maybe if it's not captain it's vice captain because he he looks to also be well loved in the dressing room there's a role for him he can be he can be a milk monitor he could be something like there, there's definitely a a role in the leadership kind of group for him sure for sure i think you know i think you're right about the sort of different types of leaders you know you've got You've got talkers, you've got people who lead by example, you've got technical leaders, you've got people who organise the nights out. You know, you know, within the group dynamics, like I'm sure there's lots of different types of leaders that we we don't even see. You know, I'm sure, you know, we maybe will be that Mohamed El Neni is the guy in the changing room who, you know, organises the sweepstakes, or whatever, you know, wh- whatever it may be, there's different types of leaders. And I think wait, I'm sorry to cut in, but I think this is also really well highlighted by um Ben Foster and his content on um, YouTube. If you haven't watched any of it, please give it a chance. It's a really interesting look into the kind of behind the scenes life of of football and footballers. And he is, um, he is the admin of the WhatsApp group and other kind of little duties with the team around that. And like, it's little things like that, that that you forget actually happen and that there are different people with responsibility within the group. Like apparently he was made like the admin as soon as he joined. And I think you do have that older figure who takes over some of the the tedious minutiae of responsibility almost. But because he's been in the game for a long time and has the experience, just does it. And you also have the 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 dogged captain who I don't know if you've watched fucking Ted Lasso, but the almost Roy Kent character, if anyone's watched it, who is going to be that kind of traditional, maybe Roy Keane type, Everett type, not Everett. Um, uh, was it Gerard, was Everett Lampard. captain? Gerard, yeah, Lampard, um, Vieira type, who or Tony Adams type who is, is going to shout at people and is going to do that job on the pitch and then you need like, like like you say you need those people who are Thierry Henry the brilliance the brilliance and level of technical ability that it makes everyone else want to move up to that level yeah. and I think for so long we've lacked we've had one of those people we've had one of that type but not everything at once and what it seems to be is we're now one piece away from the puzzle and that's that's really promising yeah and I think um 
yeah, you, and different groups need different types of leaders and different times and different eras. Like, you know, something that is often sort of a, a sort of a bit, a bit of a tired maxim that comes out about Arsenal is, oh, they need they miss a Tony Adams, they miss a leader. Well, actually, groups of people over time need different things, and the modern era doesn't require Tony Adamses. Tony Adams himself, I listened to a podcast with him. Um, he, he was on the Russell Brand uh, Football is Nice podcast, which is really good, by the way. Um, not as good as ours, but it's pretty good. Um, and uh, he was talking about it, and he was saying like, "Yeah, I was a total wanker." Like you know, and once I actually chilled out a bit, the um, the, the results got better. So there's even this kind of this this uh, this I think for slight fetishization in football of this like barking leader or sort of yeah, you go here, you how dare you let the standard slip. Now there's a place for that kind of um, uh, accountability pushing from someone in the squad. But maybe that comes in a different way now. You know what I mean? <clears throat> like leaders don't emerge in the same way and, and they don't and you don't need certain things. And as you say, for example, like who's the admin in the WhatsApp group? That's that's a, not a huge thing, but it's all little examples of, of, responsibility. of ways that people can be leaders and, and take responsibility. Um Mane's a dirty little cunt. Yeah, uh, I, I genuinely don't under like should have been sent off last season at Anfield for the elbow on Tini's face. And before that yellow card, I think there were five stoppages where like he's just jumped into a player, no attempt at jumping into the ball, led with his elbow, moments like that. And I, I did think the ref had a bit of a shocker because he, yeah. he was lucky to not to be on the pitch. You know, I've, I've watched that incident with Ben White back. The ball is clearly off the pitch. He goes in late, high, and scissor, scissors him down. There is, it's, it's, dangerous play with no attempt to play the ball yeah he's lucky to not get a red card yeah for that and you remember the elbow on Tierney etc like I I, I the, the, a part of me feels very much there's a kind of Premier League winners tax he gets like I feel like if it's if this is the Mane of of like you know he's maybe his Southampton year at Southampton I don't know if he gets away with that, but because he's Sadio Mane, he's a Premier League star, I think there's a bit of leeway and a bit of kind of, well, you know, that's just the, the way the game he plays. I think perhaps more interestingly than kind of discussing Mane's dirty tactics is the fight um, between Arteta and Klopp. Firstly, the most passionate I've ever seen Arteta on the sidelines. And secondly, mm. the more more important thing for me, I want to say, and something that really, it really got me. I was like, fucking yes, because it's like a nice, like, yeah, we're fighting back. Like, we're we're a team that that stands up, stands up for ourselves. And I, and I love to see that passion. And also, it's it's within the kind of container of football. It's not like an aggressive street fight. Afterwards, they were, you know, they were shaking hands. Something I will say, though, Jurgen Klopp is not having that argument with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, RIP. He's not having that conversation with Dean Smith. He's not going to get that frustrated and angry and contest and, and contest something with that amount of passion to a manager who he doesn't know he needs to. I think I think yeah. Jurgen Klopp is such a clever, smart sport. He because he actually he goes to the assistant uh, to the assistant referee to kind of hold him back before he goes to Arteta. He's a smart guy. He knows that Mikel Arteta is good. He knows he's coming. It felt he also to me knows like he's a... wrong. Do you know what well, I mean? Well, Cause... I think kind of forget forget the incident. We we I, I sort of don't know or really or really care. I don't know. Maybe or maybe I should care. I sort of my take on it <clears throat> more is really you don't fight someone like that with that amount of passion without feeling like there's there's without feeling like there's a need to like why would you get that angry at the Bournemouth manager or the Preston manager you're going to get angry at someone who you think is good you're going to you're going to like the, like the reason Mourinho and Wenger fought is because they both knew they could hurt each other like why else would you fight back if you if, you, if you're if you're having a conversation with the Luton manager and you're like who, who are you do you know what I mean it's like well, I'm Jurgen Klopp I think I feel I feel the superiority and I feel the power dynamic changing in that and I think I think Klopp saw the way we set up saw that we're coming for them, whether they like it or not, saw the talent on the pitch. And I think it's, you know, perhaps slight conjecture Warning, from here, but ahead. I think he's, I think he's scared. I don't know if he's, maybe he, I don't, I think maybe saying he's scared is the wrong thing. I don't think he's scared of right now. There's, there's such a class difference. 
maybe he's scared of what's to come, the future yeah, I think with that's what I mean. Arsenal and, and other people. Um, I think it's also interesting to note that he instigated the argument with Arteta. Arteta is kind of bemoaning the referee for not dealing with Mane. And Klopp is the one that 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 starts it and that starts shouting at Arteta. And so Arteta starts giving it back. And he, Arteta tells him to fuck off at one point. And that's really interesting as well, because it's not even you don't engage in arguments with people that you don't uh, appear to be on a level. You don't instigate arguments with people that you think are clearly beneath you. Yeah. You, you I, don't I, start I them so. because you. what's the point? You laugh at them. And I, I also think that there is an argument to say that one of the one of the big reasons that he did that is he knew Mikel was right. And and listen, I I, I I have a lot of respect for what Jurgen Klopp's done. I also think he's the biggest moaner in world football. I think that man bitches and complains about stupid shit more than anyone. In his post match, he's complaining about what was going on with Sadio and painting him as almost this this lovely you know little he's boy. Like, oh, fed up with it. Yeah, and the, the Sadio's throwing elbows in people's faces for fuck's sake. Like, it's it, it's so annoying when it's so clearly obvious and you've got this, who seems to be an intelligent man arguing against it. It's like trying to fucking argue that black is white for, for the sake of it. Do you know what I mean? Move past it, let it go. But th- there are two things to take from this. He wouldn't start the argument if Arteta wasn't right. And he wouldn't start the argument if there wasn't something there where he did see the need to. I, I, that's what that's what I think. Like it's like he's a smart guy. I think I think he yeah maybe it's conjecture to say he's he's scared of what's to come. But I just I think you're right. Like I think there's something there. There's there's a reason you you have that argument. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's yeah. good to see it's to see us involved in that. And it's good to see a manager getting fucking passionate because it's nothing's they're not, they're not gonna fight each other. It's a it's a and also match. telling Klopp to fuck off when he's being an asshole. Love it, love it. Um, yeah, the game completely opened up. There was the great. Um, it was a sliding doors moment. That, Fab- that Fabinho challenge was absolutely unbelievable. If Aubameyang gets oh. through, there's also a disallowed goal earlier on. You've got to remember, like, you know, as much as we didn't have, you know, crazy amount of chances, I think Liverpool slightly outperformed their XG. We get on, caught on offside day. so much. So much. I uh, Is it just me that I feels think, that? I feel like every time like, the time Arsenal is. fan complaint. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe if we looked at the... I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's a stat on it. We should look it up. Maybe I could look it up. Um, on your, on your new laptop. Um, sponsored goal, by Dell. We're not sponsored by Dell. That was a joke. I don't think anyone thought we were. <laughs> um, the uh, Imagine if we were sponsored by Dell laptops. Oh, the At money. that point, I quit my job. and We're, 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 we're breezy, baby. We're to the moon, baby. We'll start our own cryptocurrency. Knock. <laughs> um, someone paid me for a voiceover in cryptocurrency the other day. In Litecoin. Did you did you keep the crypto or have no, you? No, I sold it immediately. But yeah, it was. I felt quite it's very dirty stra- uh, yeah. or something. Yeah, don't know why. Um, the goal was coming, and I, I actually think I think the first two goals were perfect examples of one. The first goal with Mane, pure quality from Trent with delivery, and it had been it had been coming absolutely pure quality, and that's the difference between the two sides. And then the Tavares mistake was the inexperience, and I felt those two were like the the perfect kind of. Summing up I of think what happened, the, the first goal's slightly due to inexperience in in knowing who to to deal with and who to mark. I think in that situation, you Tommy Asu has to pick up Mane rather than picking up the person on the back post. Yeah, and he almost needs to be in front of Mane to marshal both of them out of play. And I think that's a mistake. Um, I don't know whether that's with the set piece coach or whatever. Um, but yeah, the Tavares one. It's 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 a real shame for for kind of his almost starring run of form over the last ten games to to come to an end in such a way. But um, maybe maybe it won't be the end. Maybe it won't be the end. No, actually. but to a degree, I think this will definitely see Tierney cement his place back at left back, unless there's an injury, which is always likely because that boy's made of paper. Um, He's made of kidney beans. Um, <laughs> Uh, Carlos Cuesta here, uh, individual development coach. I'd be getting Sambi on uh, shooting with the laces. That man has a lovely side foot, but he side foots every shot. He needs to get it through his laces. Um, 
Liverpool, yeah, were winning the ball just so high, and then it just the game just started to get into that kind of ridiculous, like when are we ne- when are we going to concede next kind of territory? Because um, mm. we lost our shape and we lost our heads, basically. What, what, what would you say? The noggin's gone. Um, yeah. There were some great saves from Ramsdale. You could feel the goal from Salah and uh, Salah was coming. The minimum one was, you know, again, just quality from Trent. I, th- I think the, the um, actually my partner said uh, once Mane scored, she was like, the other two are going to score now. Because it's it is almost like a competition between them, like Mane and Salah. Like you kind of feel their their kind of desperation. Once one of them scored, it feels like almost like a laying down the gauntlet for the other one. We need killers up front like that, and 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 that's the next stage in development of, the, of this team. And fair enough, but it's nice to it's uh it's good to see the level and and the as Ramsdale says the kind of where we need to get to, because that front mm. three are just they are fucking lethal, lethal. Jota is like horny for goals. It's um like that man. I think he's got like the best uh, goals per ninety in terms of or like goals per minute, uh, or like second best after Salah in the league since he joined. Like he's just he's just lethal, and he scores all types of goals. He doesn't care how it goes in. He's like a little, um, you know, not to be disrespectful, but it's like you know what are those animals that come out after the apocalypse and like you know feed on. You know, it's like he's just like. He's just lethal. Um, and we need that. We need that quality. Arsenal have won none of their last nine Premier League visits to Anfield. One, uh, 1-7, drawn to... 1-7? Uh, one, Arsenal have won none. 1-7. Uh, we've won <laughs> zero, drawn two, and lost seven. It's still early. It's only half nine. Uh, seven oh, goals from open play in the 12 Premier League games for the Gunners. Only Wolves with six and Norwich with two have scored fewer from open play this season. Uh, we don't have time to discuss it now, but that is that is a concern. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, any more thoughts on the game, Bradley? Um, I felt like substitutions could have and should have happened earlier. Yeah. I think that's still something that Mikel is learning and working on. I, I don't understand why Tavares wasn't hooked. You know, I've, I feel like there's almost a duty of care at that point where you have to take him off because if he keeps making those mistakes and like these forwards will do, keep punishing him for them, it will destroy his confidence completely. And at the end, he looked like a, a just an absolute, he looked distraught, like a shadow of the, of the kind of body language that he usually eludes. So I, I do feel that was a big mistake and we should have gotten him off just, just to protect him a bit more, you know, cause he's still a kid. The kid's like 20, I don't think it was it was right to leave him out there, but I think this is again hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight's twenty twenty, baby. I sometimes think, wouldn't it be nice if Liverpool just like lended as a player, like just give us Minamino or something to like Minamino would even get an team. I think he might. No, he wouldn't. He definitely he wouldn't. No, he, he might. He, yeah, he'd come off off the bench, but he wouldn't get. He wouldn't be in the starting eleven. I like Minamino. I think he's got good. It's because I like saying his name. Yeah, that's exactly why Alex Minamino is. God. Oh God, what am I like? Oh, what am I like? Right, we'll see. What you. you like, eh? After this. News and views. Welcome back, everyone, to news and views. Where and th- and this is the part. This is the part of the show where we give you all all of the news and all of your views, but mostly ours. Just a quick reminder that if you do enjoy the podcasts that we're doing and putting lots of effort into, please subscribe, turn on notifications for the podcast, leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. You can't do that on Spotify, can you? And you can support us on Patreon, where you can get access to episodes of The Instant Reaction, as well as ad-free and filmed versions of the podcast for just £5 a month. We actually didn't do an Instant Reaction yesterday because I was at Spongebob the Musical, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, and for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com, where you can... Buy me a coffee. The links are in the show description. Minor Brad's Old Drama School did uh, Spongebob the Musical yesterday. Um... The the show the, the people who did the show were very, it was a good show. What I would say, all of the songs, none of them are as catchy as the theme tune. 
So it kind of, I don't know. It's just a bit like, it's a bit, they're, they're a bit like advert jingles. And then you're just waiting for the SpongeBob SquarePants. Have you seen Jordan Peterson talks about SpongeBob? Hang on. No. Please stop. Please. Please. That sounds like a Kermit the Frog joke. It sounds like he's talking like Kermit the Frog talking about fucking... (laughs) It sounds like everyone that does an impression of Jordan Peterson to take the piss out of Jordan Peterson is doing that. That does not... Oh, God. Apparently he was on Question Time the other night. Ooh. Interesting. So will, mate. Bless you. Uh, what are we doing now? Let's crack on with this. Oh, news, and news, news and views, mate. Um, you keep talking about Spongebob. Hell. Yeah, I just want to talk about Spongebob and cry. Fucking hell, I'm so ill. Um, uh, not much going on, really, is there? Uh, <laughs> uh, Flo not Balligan. sense. Yeah. Flo Balligan, potentially going out unknown in January. We sort of knew that. I guess the main news, really, um, is Mr. Oliver. Uh, mm. It's a shame for Arsenal. Solskjaer. It is. It is. I just felt sorry for him. I think Watford ruined it a little. They should have. They should have left it at, at kind of two. They should have left it after the Maguire sending off. They've ruined <laughs> it for everyone. Because I reckon if it's two one, they don't sack him. Yeah, I just. I think it it goes to show, and it's, and like and with Gerard coming in and like immediately having an impact, like putting players in the right positions, like yeah. But that's also a new manager kind of- bounce. I have. I also have very big faith that that will start to to wane and struggle. Maybe, but I think I watch United and I'm just like, does anyone know where they're meant to be on the pitch? Does anyone understand football beyond a, you just got to get stuck in. You got to die to get three points. Like, it just feels very much like, like, where are the principles of play? Where is the counter-pressing? Where is the tiki-taka? Where is the... Gegen press. Where is the counter attack? Like, what? What well, they, are we doing? They were quite. A, they they were quite a good counter attacking team last season, and that's how they got second. Now, listen, they only got second because of a calamitous season for Liverpool when it came to injuries, but they still got second. I think that the the, the biggest issue that's been for Oli and been for United, and it's not it's nothing to do with the quality of the player, but it's signing Ronaldo. When you sign Ronaldo, you have to change your play style. Yeah. You have to play to him. He is not the kind of player that United needed at that time, but they got him, so li- so City couldn't get him. Yeah, or because you know George Mendes is a is a very clever man who was creating those City links to get United back involved. I just think that that's where. Listen, he's always been found out in in certain games. To, a, to to silly opposition as well, which is why he was never going to win them a pre- Premier League. It's just a shame that it's happened this way so that, you know, he's now not going to be in charge of them anymore. And that is definitely in part down to a kind of hierarchical decision to sign a 36-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo hmm. for the sake of signing a 36-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo. No yeah, one a- looked at that squad and went, they need a world-class striker. What they did need was a central midfielder and they, they didn't get it. And it's it's the same story that's gone on at United again and again and again of managers asking for things, not getting it and then getting given other stupid toys to play with that they don't need. And there is a real structural issue going on at that club. And until that's dealt with, they will never get anywhere near the levels that they were. Yeah, it's that alignment for sure. Uh, you know, like Ronaldo is that kind of franchise player, and I think maybe they did need a striker, but they didn't. They didn't need Ronaldo. They didn't. They didn't and need think- a striker. Cavani, Rashford, Greenwood. They had three options to play through the middle who suited I've- that counteracking philosophy and style of football. I. They don't- didn't need. If you were to look at that squad before Ronaldo joined. Listen, yeah. and take away the Ronaldo fanboy element out of it, just purely as a, as a squad no, no, point no, no, of view. I, I, I'm saying and you look at the money, And you look at the money spent on Ronaldo 
both fee and wages, and you look at what dropping in an elite number six would do to that team. Well, no, no, I'm not. I'm I not saying they didn't need one. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not saying they didn't need a striker. Oh, sorry, I didn't need a, a number six. I'm saying they could, they they could have done with a striker, and they probably needed a striker in mid twenties, a year, mid twenties, yeah. maybe maybe in a year. Because for me, Russia's best off the left. For me, Greenwood's at the moment best off the right. He may become a centre forward. Cavani's got one year left. You know who who fills that starting berth, and if they could go get a Holland or something, that'd be incredible. They just didn't need a Ronaldo. I think more to the point with United, yes, they did need a six as well. But the point is, we're discussing this because there's no alignment on and off the pitch, and that's the yeah. main that's the main issue for me. I, I see, and also then you kind of go. I think James Bench put it perfectly. It was something like, "It's incredible how United have got to a point where sacking Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is absolutely terrible management." And keeping Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is absolutely terrible management of the situation. Like, you've put yourself in that situation because there is no alignment and there, there appears to be no kind of set, uh, what's, what's the phrase, vision for, for, for the team and the club. That is a group of players who are completely at odds with each other and at odds in, in terms of their skill sets. I mean, who comes in? Who can deal with those egos, for example, while creating a functioning team? Who does that? Who's available right now? I mean, I, I, I really don't know who you can go and get. You can't just get a coach. You have to get someone who's worked with people like Ronaldo before because otherwise they'll just be walked all over and you have the same problem. So it's Let's really talk bad. of Zidane, which again, I don't think is particularly what they need. Um, I, I, do you know what? Even at this point, I think because they've missed that, Conte would have been probably because they've bought Ronaldo and turned this from a Golo Conte from they've turned this from a (laughs) they've turned this from a a kind of project moving forward to a a must win at all costs because they're spending you know four or five hundred grand a week on Ronaldo Uh, Conte would have been the, the the probably the best appointment get him in for the length of Ronaldo's contract you might win a league with the fall off of Liverpool coming in the next few years. And then you start rebuilding the project again. But they've missed out on him. I think Potter is too smart an appointment for them. They won't go for Potter because the stupid thing is, is probably 50-60% of United fans will complain about getting Graham Potter. But, oh, he's not a big enough name. He's not a Man United and, manager. It's like, well, what yeah. is that? Yeah, and it's, it's like I've always find it, and I always find it stupid when they go, "Oh, you know, we don't play the Man United way." You know, your club is like an inanimate object, right? <laughs> like it doesn't. This is all just theoretical nonsense. You're talking just about, or you're talking about an ideal. Not everything has to be around that ideal. You can prefer it to be, but if you're being su- successful playing a different style of football, who cares? And I, I just don't see who they get. I think they've, re- they've, like you say, they have left themselves in the absolute shit where now they've got to sack him. And logistically, Zidane doesn't want to come to the Premier League and is apparently possibly waiting out um, Didier Deschamps for the France job because apparently Deschamps is going to leave after the the World Cup. So he might not join. You don't get Ten Hag out of Ajax right now because he's already said he won't leave mid-season. So who 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 are you getting? I think Rogers is definitely a choice. I think no matter what he says, if again, United came calling for him, there. but Rogers again is is not the level. Yeah, and and I think I think showing some, I think that kind of that glory glory Man United we play with two wingers type mentality is holding them back. I, I think they they need some humility. I think I think they require some humility. The reason you know Arsenal yes have gone through that period of. Um, post Wenger where we've had you know a dip but re- in the in the history of Arsenal it's not that long it's th- two three years really like you know and it's tough and it was hard going through it but we now feel like there's some vision on and off the pitch that's going somewhere at least there's some alignment at least I feel like and we've we've taken our our humble pie or whatever the uh, the phrase sh- could be you know we've accepted we've made mistakes and all those sorts of things I think United are still stuck in that kind of Ferguson thing where we're Man United so so what doesn't matter. They've, on, not won on a, a they've not won a league title since 2013. Nearly, nearly what eight years, nine but that, years. But it will, it will start to run out, mate. Like you know, in the next ten years, unless they really sort it out. But this is what I mean by like 
they're they're harping on to eras that were a long time ago. Yeah. And they yeah. and this is what this is what destroy destroyed in a sense Arsenal post the Wenger era. Um and really made things difficult for us is this fan pylon of expectation about oh well we're Arsenal we've got and it's what ruined Wenger's last few years you know the expectation to be what you always once were without this like time is linear there is always going to be changes and different styles coming into things and and yeah the the holding on to the Invincibles era is what massively affected Arsenal for a long, long time. Yeah. United are doing the same thing and they are going to end up in the same position. And unless they get some humility and look around at the, at the, at the league and go, what do we need to do? What sort of coach is going to bring us sustained success and make step. some hard decisions and go, Ronaldo, mate, like sorry, you know, you're not playing like, you know, unless they're willing to do that. And, and you know, ultimately it's going to, it's going to take some hard steps, but they've got to do that. If, if, if they, if they are Man United and that's what they want to do, then that's what they got to do. Like a, 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 a big club also takes big decisions. And this is a big decision to sacking Ole, of course it is. And, you know, I genuinely like, I, I know, it, I know we're an Arsenal fan, I probably shouldn't say this, but I, I hope they... I hope they get it right. You know, I, I, no, I, I don't. I hope they fucking burn in squalor. Well, my my dad was a was a United fan, so I like I I have like a sort of a personal connection to them, and I and I feel quite like sort of like, oh, like you know, I hope United get back to where they were, and they are a, a fucking massive club, and they're a huge credit to the Premier League. But I think some humility is required, a bit of like no longer we're fucking Man United. Why the fuck don't people want to join us? All this sort of stuff. Go. What do we need to do? What well, we're here. We're you know we're 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 ready to learn and we're ready to listen, and I think that's a big thing for United. The irony being, it may seem like they now need to get another Oli in place to, to manage yeah, exactly. the next phase of the project because they didn't yeah. get him the things that he needed to take the next evolution. And the squad now doesn't have the tools needed to be passed on to one of these elite coaches to come in and win a league. Get Josh They've King in. It, mate. Another ex-United Norwegian manager. <laughs> the striker, hell. sorry. He'll play uh, for Bradley. Watford whilst managing United. <laughs> ben Foster and him. There's a, a double two. Uh, Bradley, we've just got time for a little bit of Arsenal trivia, mate. Last time out, I asked you, name four managers of Arsenal that are not Arsene, Unai, Mikel or Ljungberg. Now, last time, Brad, remember you said that Arsenal are nothing about Arsene Wenger, so... Yeah, mate. Um, Herbert Chapman and George Graham are the only two names. That's it. You could have had Pat Rice, who managed them for a while after Stuart Houston went. You could have had Bruce Rioch, Don Oh, Bruce Rioch, of course. Terry Neal. You could have had Thomas Mitchell in the 1890s, Brad. Remember him? Uh, His his teams were, were beautiful. Who's got the best win percentage? Pat Rice, mate. <laughs> Go on, Pat. Pat Rice has got the best win, win percentage. Unbelievable. Uh, I forgot the other question, for fuck's sake. Oh, fucking hell. Welcome back. Uh, the uh, next question for next week is, what is Mikel Arteta's full name? What is Mikel Arteta's full name? That's your question for Mikel next week. Tony Pulis Arteta. Yep. Brad, great episode. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Great fun. Thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Um, We're next on... Oh, we were going to have Rohan on today, but uh, we had some scheduling issues, so that is happening next week. We'll have a pod out for you midweek. Not quite sure what it's going to be yet, but I'm sure... After myself and Rohan actually watch the game. Oh, yeah, you're both going to be at the game. You can... Maybe you you could do some live live commentary. Live... I'll send you some voice notes. Please do. And I won't listen to them like yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you send me voice notes mid game. I'm not gonna listen. I'm not gonna listen to like three minutes of a voice note. I'm I'm concentrating. I'm also getting whacked. I mean, by that point we were getting whacked, but yeah, that's true. Uh, Bradley, pleasure as always. Always, my friend. Thanks as always for listening. Keep it different, knock, and we will see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. 
please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com, find us on Twitter at DiffNock, and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. We all have tasks we'd like to avoid, like mailing and shipping. It takes time lugging all those letters and packages to the post office. That's why you should try Stamps.com. For 25 years, Stamps.com has made mailing and shipping easy. You get all the services of the post office right on your computer, anytime. No traffic, no waiting, no hassle. Plus, you save money with discounts up to 84% on USPS and UPS. With Stamps.com, all you need is a computer and printer. Print stamps, print shipping labels, and if you sell products online, Stamps.com connects with every major marketplace and shopping cart, so you can spend less time on shipping and more time on your business. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus postage and a digital scale. Just go to stamps.com and enter code PROGRAM. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW plus free shipping on orders over $60. Sports Social Podcast Network.